you're listening to the Mind Devs Podcast, a podcast that creatively empowers you through exploration and curiosity, seeking wisdom from minds of the world. My name is Ryan Perez, a creative, curious, and ever-changing human on a mission to spread self-education and connection around the world by sitting down with fellow humans to share and reflect on impactful ideas that will grow your mind, body, and soul, developing the mind one experience at a time. Today we have Shelly Brown. Shelly Brown is a keynote speaker, mindfulness educator, and artist best known as the creator of Weird, Weird Girl, a series of humorous essays written about real life experiences. She was born and raised in Chicago. Uh, Brown graduated from DePaul University and served over 25 years in corporate America. 2014, she unfortunately suffered a serious spinal injury that ended her lifetime of fitness and included 25 marathons, six ultra marathons, and countless half marathons. Now living with gratitude and joy, which I love, Brown invites people from all walks of life to allow their weird and join what she affectionately calls the weirdness of humaning. Welcome, Shelly. Hey, it's so great to be here with you. Thank you. Thank you for being here. Appreciate it. So actually, funny enough, when I first read your bio and I was like, uh, I thought it was a uh, motivational educator and artist. And then I was like, wait, wait, no, that says mindfulness educator. So I, I guess I wanted to go ahead and start with what have you learned about mindfulness and what does mindfulness really mean to you? Oh, gosh. So mindfulness literally, I believe, saved my life really? because like a lot of us, um, I had a lot of rapid ruminating thoughts, worrying about the future, regrets about the past and guilt and, you know, what if, and what if this happens and, and arguing like with reality, you know, like this can't be happening. I don't want this. Yes, exactly. And so mindfulness to me, and, and by the way, as you stated in my bio, I was an ultra runner. I was not going to be like sitting there with my third eye, you know, in yoga in Lotus Mm -hmm. position going, (laughs) you know, Om. that was not my jam, but Mm -hmm. mindfulness is literally being the driver of your awareness. And when we can be present as if we're driving on a straight road if we get distracted and our mind takes us in another direction we can practice mindfulness and notice that we've kind of veered off that line of the present and we can be the driver of our awareness and come right back to the present we can also mindfulness means that we can also see what else is there while we're present but the practice really is when we veer off, we can drive our awareness. And it's great to be the driver of your awareness. Yeah, definitely. Absolutely. So you mentioned uh, sort of practicing the mindful awareness. Now, I mean, I've definitely found myself, I'm sure I'm hoping we all have, but I found myself whenever I used, I would drive, I would start thinking about other things and it would get so bad to the point of like, I would lose focus on the road and possibly get into like potential car accidents. Luckily, I had someone else in the car with me and they'd be like, hey, you know, watch out, like there's a car up ahead. So I'd be like, oh yeah, but I would be find myself thinking about like university or work or all these other things, all these other distractors and not really focusing and being like you said, mindful and sort of present when I'm driving or I guess with other things really. But so what for you have you found like what practices can someone do to practice being more mindful in their lives? 
I love that question because again, I'm not, you know, I don't believe that sitting there with your eyes closed is the only way. Mindfulness is a practice all day long. Meditation is a specific practice and it's part of mindfulness. I think it's really important, but being mindful of where your thoughts are taking you all day long is really critical to our well-being and critical to focusing, critical to being proactive. So some of the practices, you're not unique with the way that your mind takes you off into directions while you're driving. One of the best ways is to ground and we can ground with our senses. You could be driving and you could say, stop sign, red car, and just notice what you're taking in with your vision. And by default, when you're taking in with your vision, just like any other senses, you are present. You know, if you, if you smell something, you are by default present. You can't smell and then 10 minutes later smell something that you're smelling now, right? Unless yeah. that smell is still there. You can't hear a sound 10 minutes later, you know? So it's, it's really tapping into what you're experiencing right now. So a good way is music. I love using music for the practice of mindfulness. I don't know if you've ever done this, Ryan, but... What's your favorite musical artist? Oh gosh, uh, doesn't have to be a favorite. Name me uh, some. Well, I really like. I really, I've always really been uh, touched by Queen. I, I don't know if that to be present. Okay, so Queen is okay. It's okay, Led Zeppelin's my jam. <laughs> so next time you listen to a Queen song, mm-hmm. pick one specific instrument in that song. Could be the piano because they use keyboards a lot. Mm-hmm. Even Bohemian Rhapsody. Focus your awareness on that piano. And every time you get distracted by Freddie Mercury or anything else, come back and find that piano again. Mm. And keep doing it again and again and again. And that is that exercise. That's the fitness of mindfulness. That's working that noticing muscle. Because that piano is going to be there. You just got to keep on finding it and notice when you've lost that piano. I Mm -hmm. love using music. That's the way I bring it into corporations. When I, when I do mindfulness uh, seminars and keynotes, Mm -hmm. I use rock music to help invite people to, to understand what we're doing. Imagine walking into, uh, I don't know what the, you know, like the yoga sessions and they just have like rock music playing. while you're Amazing. So, you know, the other thing about it is like, if you also to practice your awareness Mm -hmm. besides the piano, expand it out and like notice Freddie and notice all the other instruments and then play around with your awareness. Like go to Freddie, go to the piano, go to the guitar, go to the drums, go to, you know, like drive your awareness around. It's really cool. Okay. And what if you're in a situation you can't listen to music? Like, for example, with like, I find myself sometimes struggling maybe with school. I'll be thinking about the next thing instead of like, hey, you're in class, focus in class. I mean, I mean, like for example, I mean, one thing I found that's helped is just writing the word focus. Like, hey, yeah. focus. Anytime I lose distraction, focus. But I guess what are things you can think of when you can't listen necessarily to music, you know, you're at school, maybe you're at work or something, and you don't have that auditory uh, capability. Feel your feet on the ground. Hmm. Okay. Put your hands together and notice your hands touching each other. Any physical sensation, you know, any of our senses, whether yes. it's okay. smell or taste or ears yes. or even that writing focus, because when you're writing, you have to 
see what you're doing and it's that mm. physical act, but it could be as simple as I feel my feet on the ground in this moment. And, and that means I am here right now or take a breath mm-hmm. or set a set a notification if you've got your phone that that reminds you to, to to breathe but if breathing isn't it stop for a second notice the sounds that are coming into your ears don't seek them out but allow them to come into your ears and by default you are present and that will help ground you mm-hmm. okay interesting all right so i appreciate that i mean I think when I, when I first tried to do like a yoga or sort of meditating, I, I would find it very intimidating. I only recently started doing it and I would find it so intimidating because I think most people think it's like, oh, you have to just empty your mind and go blank. But I found if I meditate, if you will, by uh, focusing on like my stretching, I found that helps me sort of meditate and just kind of, you know, stays in sort of thing. Do you know what happens when your mind goes blank? I don't know, you start thinking of other things. <laughs> you're no longer alive because oh. <laughs> we're human. We're, the practice is to empty your mind. The practice is to notice when you've gotten, you know, when, when you've noticed you've gone off into thought. So the thing that I love to do when I talk about mindfulness is to demystify what we're trying to do. We're not emptying our mind our minds think we're human beings, Mm -hmm. but when we meditate, it's choosing an object for our awareness. It's either open awareness or a focused awareness, but we're choosing an object to, to anchor Mm -hmm. our mind in a a focused awareness meditation. Mm -hmm. So that when the practice is not the focus, it's noticing when we got lost and coming back, it's beginner's Mm -hmm. mind with kindness and jed- and non-judgment and gentleness. It's not how much can I keep my mind right here? It's noticing when we've taken our mind away from that. Gotcha, okay. Yeah. And you mentioned beginner's mind. Could, could you talk a little bit more about that? What do you mean, like, so what, could you explain a little bit more about just what beginner's mind? Yeah, so if we didn't know that we can keep starting over and over again, we would all feel like we suck and fail (laughs) at mindfulness every minute. The idea of beginner's mind is, is having this sort of openness, knowing that we can begin again at any time. And that's not just in meditation, that's in life. I mean, we're human. We can all be really unskillful and say stuff that we don't wanna, that we don't mean. We can do things that we didn't mean to do. You know, we're human beings, Mm -hmm. but knowing that we can continually start again, whatever our intentions are, whatever our values are, we're going to veer off. We're going to get lost. We're going to get off track because we're human. But knowing it, it doesn't matter. We can start again anytime. Yeah. And I love how you have in your bio, like gratitude and joy and like being grateful for, for life. And I guess I, I kind of want to transition a little bit to, uh, if you could tell your story a little bit about just your incident, uh, like, I guess the journey throughout, because I mean, before what happened to, you know, like you were running, you were, you identified as a runner and then can't even imagine then afterwards, just like, yeah, now this big part of my life just isn't in my life. Yeah. Yet you still find a way to be grateful, to be joyful and happy. Could you talk a little bit about like, just how was that journey for you? Like finding sort of that, I guess, identity, if you will, of I'm a runner 
uh, I love to run. Oh wait, no, now I have that choice pretty much taken away from me. And now, you know, I'm suffering, but no, it's like, I'm grateful and I'm joyful. <laughs> it wasn't that immediate. <laughs> and by the way, I just want to make a, a quick point that there's a difference between joy and happiness to me. Mm. Joy, all right, neutrality for me is joy, meaning when nothing is wrong with something, isn't that better than something being wrong with something? Yeah, yeah. So can't we reframe that when something isn't wrong, can't that just be joy? Mm, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, like mm -hmm. How neutral is it that we can walk to the refrigerator and get something to drink? That's like a neutral thing. Mm -hmm. But if you think about it, like it's different than just gratitude. It's, it's noticing neutrality and being like, wow, I can go to the refrigerator anytime I want and get something to drink. And it's contrasting between, between something that's not good to something that, hey, like this is ordinary, but like that's joyful. We can reframe ordinary into joy. And that doesn't mean like happy, yay. It just mm -hmm. means we can reframe just neutral into joy. Yeah, like that self-awareness of like, hey, you know, I have the opportunity to walk and I have the opportunity to go to a fridge, you know, because like people who don't have fridges or can't walk or both, it's like, like you said, the, the normalcy of things be joyful. In, in that as well. Yeah, I mean, that yeah. kind of like gives us this default state of joy. Yes, yes. But what happened? So I'm not unlike a lot of people that sort of hang their identity on things outside of themselves. I mean, we all do it, whether it's our job or our, you know, bank account or our relationship status or, you know, whether we're an Ironman or a triathlete or a marathoner or, you know, our physical abilities, we, we tend to say, I am a, you know, and I, I do that anyway, I, I'm an, I'm an artist, you know, but if we really think about it, that's not who we are. It's something we do. Right. Because yeah. take, for example, this is kind of a tragic example. I'm not going to use that example, but we're, we're just who we are. So when we make things that we do our identity and they get stripped away, are we not the same person that we were before? We just can't do something, right? Mm -hmm. So I spent a lot of my life making identities outside of myself. And I have a saying that when we look at the world as a clothing store of our identity, nothing is going to fit because mm -hmm. we can't hold on to things that may not belong to us as who we are. Right. Mm -hmm. So the example of being a runner, mm -hmm. I wasn't a runner. I was somebody who runs. Mm, I see. So anyway, it, it, to get to that, back to what it was like, I mean, for me, having the identity of an athlete, having the identity of a runner gave me a feeling of accomplishment. It gave me a feeling of accolades. It gave me a feeling like, oh man, I am, you know, the shit. Um, I'm pretty cool that I can do this. And when I got injured and I couldn't walk, 
it was as if my life bucket got dumped upside down and I didn't know who I was because that to me was my identity. And then it got stripped away and it was like, oh my God, that's like a total sort of like crazy experience. Like when, when you think you are one thing and then you're no longer that, then what are you? It's like, it's a grief. Yeah. And so coming to the realization that we're just, what do you, what do you do when the one thing you thought made you, you is gone, you have to figure out who you are. And it was a process and I was desperately depressed and desperately grieving and desperately suffering and in a chronic pain cycle that I thought would kill me. Plus, How did you initially uh, like deal with all that? Because that sounds like a lot, right? <laughs> it was a lot, Ryan. Plus the fact that the relationship I was in was with somebody who was losing his identity to drugs. <sighs> yeah, it was like wow. life is going to like pull the rug out underneath you. Um, and I got fired from a job at the same time. Damn. It was just like, but you know what? A lot of people go through these times in their lives that break them open so that they're kind of called to figure it out. And I I feel like that was my season in life that, that called me to, to reassess and reevaluate and figure out like, who am I? And, and kind of, what does this mean? And it was hard and it was horrible. And I got a lot of support from people. And then uh, and when I got physically better, I tried to go back to make my life look like it did before. I went back to teaching spin and I went back to trying to run and I went back to, you know, these corporate jobs, but I had been gotten thrown into this like fight or flight in my, in my stress response. It was crazy. A lot of people have experienced this with the pandemic where they feel like, oh my gosh, you know, and shaking and scared and fear about the future. And when that gets embedded in our system, our our stress response, we go from like zero to crisis in a second or zero to tears or zero to some other kind of imbalanced emotion. And ultimately I kept like going from one job to the next trying to find a place where I felt safe and felt calm and didn't feel crazy. And I had like a nervous breakdown at a job and yeah, I threw off my headset and I cursed and it was like an outer body experience. Um, I said, F this, I F and hate this place and didn't realize that that happened. And that brought me to a mindfulness based stress reduction program. And that changed my whole life. What were some techniques that helped that you learned from that program that helped with like just stress? Oh my God. So the most important thing that, that I can share is that we think we can think our way out of stress. And if it were that easy, then everybody would have a big poster in their house that said, keep calm and carry on. And we'd all be like, oh, duh, I should know that. Right. But it's not a mind. Stress isn't just our minds. It's our whole system. It's our whole response to stress. And I think it's really important for people to know that 
if you get upset with yourself because you can't think your way out of stress, my invitation to you is, is to have the knowledge that it's not just your head, it's this whole physiological response system. Our wires get crossed and mindfulness can help sort of do a control alt delete on our system so that we don't respond to things like or react to things like we do when we're stressed like that. So practices, I mean, if meditation is your jam, it's really, it's really a good, 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 good transformational practice and knowing how to do it, knowing what to expect, knowing that your mind is going to think, knowing that some days your mind is going to think 80 billion thoughts. Also knowing that a few minutes at a time and then growing your practice. I mean, you don't have to do it an hour a day. Knowing that there's other ways to practice mindfulness, knowing that you could do micro practices throughout the day, whether it's, you know, setting an alarm on your on your iPhone to remind you to take four deep breaths, to remind you to stand and feel your feet on the ground. There's lots of different ways to practice listening to Queen and paying attention to, to the piano. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, and that was brilliant. Sorry. I'm trying to absorb all that right there. Hmm. And so, oh man, I forgot. I forgot what I was gonna say, but I was gonna ask. I had a question. I was like, "Oh wait, uh, I'm curious about that." Um, but, uh, but that's brilliant. Yeah, just so using that mindfulness to go ahead and bring you back to, uh, like you said, neutral and and to just not necessarily trying to block out the noise, but acknowledging that there is noise and just like finding your, as you said, neutrality in life. Yeah. Yeah. And so you say with identity, it's not that you were a runner, it's just you're a person that runs, that you're, that did run. So, so what is identity to you? Like, is, is it something that's like always changing throughout, like from when we're born to when we die sort of thing? Like, it's just a, a thing that just is us. I'm, I'm trying to narrow it's down identity, <laughs> which I'm finding is very difficult. <laughs> it really, it really, yeah. it really is, you know, that, that, it's really hard to, to pinpoint it. It's really, um, you know, our, it's really conscious experience. And, and, you know, I don't want to get all into that slippery slope about talking mm-hmm. about conscious awareness and, <laughs> and, and, you know, but, but who we are isn't, isn't what we do. It's just not that it's easier for me to tell you what it's not, you know, and, and part of it is is alignment with values. What yeah. like is really really important to us, and and what do we want to embody? Mm, I like that. The world, you know. Mm-hmm. I see. So so setting up some sort of core values or principles with yourself, and trying to live from when we're born to when we die, just through those values. Well, that's really what self-awareness is. It's, it's walking in alignment with, with our values, but you know, we're not necessarily born with those values. Yeah. (laughs) So, you know, I, I really, it's a hard thing to, to talk about, but all I can say is that we grasp and attach to these identities that, that 
can be stripped stripped away. At so moment, yeah. yeah, so the core message is to not think it's going to be taken any moment, but mm -hmm. but to not attach to it so much so that you lose you lose who you are when something outside of yourself gets taken away. Right. Yeah. Yeah, well said. Yeah, I was like trying to think about identity. I'm like, that's a tough one to like really define and try and narrow down. But <laughs> um, so I kind of want to get into the book a little bit. We're okay. called Adventures. Uh, yeah. I know it's coming out June 22nd, I believe. Yeah, it is June 22nd. 22nd. So yeah. I'm just curious, like, what does weird mean to you? Like, why weird? So weird are the thoughts and the feelings that we believe isolate us that are actually our greatest connection to each other. And oftentimes the things that we think are weird about us or when we were young and, and people said that's weird. So my theory is we don't know something's weird till it's judged. Right. That's true. Yeah. And when we're judged, especially if it's, you know, we could say, oh my God, Ryan, you're weird and you'd laugh. But if I said, you are weird, that is so weird, Ryan is so weird. When we're kids, you know, a lot of times we'll put it on like it's this itchy, scratchy sweater and, 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 it, and we don't think we can take it off. It's a judgment, it's a label, it's a narrative. But my message is all about like allowing the thoughts and the feelings that we use to judge ourselves when we can allow those thoughts and feelings to just be there mm -hmm. we can take that sweater off we get to be in choice about it and then that sweater can become a cape and become our superpower and so i ask people if they can think back to a time when they were a kid and they were okay i'm gonna ask you ryan <laughs> did you ever think to yourself oh my gosh i'm weird uh yes do you remember when um i'm trying to think of an example i mean like growing up i always thought of like different ideas in my head of like why isn't the world like this like that seems silly to me but then growing up i realized like those ideas were things people are like thinking of when they're like more like older so i always i always find myself thinking of these other like ideas in my head like growing up i, I couldn't really do things uh, growing up i had a, a more of a abusive father and whatnot growing up and whatnot so but I, I always find myself having all these crazy ideas of like why why is the world like this why not just do this like it seems so obvious and then those are like products of things that eventually I like like uh, I'll give you an example okay when the, the blackberry yeah the blackberry with the keyboard That's I'm like perfect. that seems so silly why do we have phones that have keyboards with buttons why not just have a full screen <laughs> and then years later the iPhone came I'm like huh like, I, I don't know why that wasn't a thing earlier. Like, that doesn't make any sense to me. So, like, things like that I always found were weird. Okay, so let me ask you this. Mm -hmm. So, did you think I, I'm weird because I have these kind of weird thoughts? Did you ever think that or no? No, I mean, I just thought it was strange that no one, like, had ever thought of that. Like, what do you mean there's no screen? But I will say then once I started talking out loud, like, with my siblings, or maybe more so with friends, I guess, is, like, they just kind of look at me like, what is, what is this little kid talking about? I'm like, oh, okay, I guess, I guess it's like a, a strange so thing you, to think of. <laughs> so you probably felt like that was kind of weird to me that I think this way. Mm -hmm. And now I'm going to ask you this. Mm -hmm. How does 
the way that you thought as a little kid, the way that people thought like, why does he think that way? And that's kind of weird. How does that serve you now? Well, it's, I mean, well, I'm grateful and uh, it's sort of helped me embrace that side of me of like, no, yeah, I am. Like I do just think of crazy ideas and that's cool. Like, that's fine. That's okay. Like, why not just fully embrace it and not just accept it, but like embrace it, take it on fully and then act on it somehow that I find creative or fun or, you know, positive. Got it. And, and I see it as you're pretty curious. There was a lot of curiosity going on. Like, why is this? And guess what? You're talking to me and you are using that weird thing, that curiosity to ask me questions, to find out more about me. So I, my theory is that we get judged for being weird. And that thing that we're judged for when we get older ends up being the way that we serve others. Mm. So that's kind of my theory about are weird. That's brilliant. That the thoughts and the feelings that we believe isolate us are actually our connection, like you and I are connecting, and they end up being what serves us. I see. So in order to really connect with other people, we have to first connect with our sort of inner weird, as you say, sort of that thing that makes us individually unique. Yeah. And allow it. It doesn't mean you have to like it. It doesn't mean you have to love it. You know, it doesn't mean you have to rock it. Mm -hmm. But again, it's that when we're not in resistance to something and we can allow it, mm -hmm. it can, it can, that's the starting place of possibility. Resistance, there's nothing possible. Allowing is permitting. So when we permit that weird thing in us, it may just turn out to be the thing that serves other people. I see. So yeah. allowing is that first step towards perhaps one day maybe loving it, maybe embracing maybe. it, just seeing what happens. Maybe. And if not, guess what? It's better than resisting it, isn't it? Mm -hmm. So my book is, is a bunch of like quirky stories about mm -hmm. sort of in between sort of before mindfulness all the way to mindfulness, just these stories of how I made meaning and observed life. And for me, everything felt like sort of a freight train to a roller coaster down a rabbit hole and sometimes they were funny stories sometimes they were angst you know just mm -hmm. a lot of big emotions but it's really a very human book it's not the kind of book that is telling us that we need to do anything better it's not telling us we should be this or never do this or always do this mm -hmm. it's 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 a book that i think people will sense some relief in their own humanity. Like feel less alone, feel seen because we are all each other just dressed in different clothing, you know? Mm. Because we only have a set range of emotions. Yeah, that's true. Hmm. Now you talk about weirdness, but not just weird, but queerness of humaning. So it, humaning. So humaning being just humans, what living life? Yeah. Mm, yeah. Okay. We're all weird. We're just a different kind of weird from each other. And so I call it this collective uh, weirdness of humaning because we're just humans. Everybody I, I have ever asked, have you ever thought you're weird? Everyone says, yeah. oh yeah. Yeah. And, and people actually like that because individuality is really, is really what we all want. Don't we all want to be seen? Don't we all want to belong? Don't we all want to feel 
accepted for our own individuality, our own weird, our own humanity. And so with, with the weirdness, we mentioned, we kind of talked about like judging and like how we, we kind of get judged throughout life as we grow up. What, what would you say would, could, could possibly help people with perhaps not judging other people? Maybe someone who has good intentions, let's say, but have found that, you know, them judging others as, you know, as we've seen, it forces us weird people, if you will, to kind of shy away from our uniqueness. What can someone do to perhaps not be so judging with other people or even themselves? That is such an important question because it really is a both and, you know, it it is judging ourselves and then it is this judgment of other people. And funny enough, I've I've broken weird down into an acronym. Mm. So the W is welcome. Like, are we welcoming ourselves? You know, like when you think about hospitality and you walk into a hotel, you feel like so welcome, right? Yeah. But we don't always do that to ourselves and we certainly don't do it with each other. So how can we be curious? How can we meet people with hospitality? How can we meet ourselves with that welcome hospitality and and let go of that judgment? And a lot of it is that noticing, we have to notice what are those barriers we put up to being welcoming to others and being welcoming to ourselves. And then the other thing is, you know, is the E is engaging. So are we engaged or are we putting up a barrier again? Like if I, if I'm not going to engage myself fully, it's because I'm judging myself. Mm. And if I'm not engaging with other people, it's either because I'm judging myself or I'm putting up barriers to engage with them. So it's welcoming and then engaging. And then the eye of weird is integrate. So I don't know about you, Ryan, but I used to be one person on Facebook, one person on Instagram, one person on LinkedIn, one person outside of work, one person at work. And it's like, that's what disintegrated means, right? Mm -hmm. Pieces. And when we can integrate and I'm not saying fly your freak flag and and be unfiltered, but how can we be this integrated person so we're not constantly wearing masks in all areas of our lives? Because people love us for who we are. And even when we're trying to cover it up, the people who really dig us, dig us because they they see through that. Yeah. Stuff. Mm-hmm. So integrated is putting those pieces together. The R is risk. Mm-hmm. What kind of risks are we willing to take to show up with our own weird, to show up as our, our own selves? And, and what risks are we willing to take to allow others to be able to be able to be that with us? Mm-hmm. And then the D is dynamic, knowing that everything is fluid, knowing that things change and knowing that when we even look at ourselves, it's, it's kind of a constant unfolding. It's not just this solid set way. So how fluid can we be with ourselves? How fluid can we be 
with others, you know, with are willing to grow and evolve and change and shift. So that's my weird acronym. And I and love that. Thanks. No, that's brilliant. Thank you. The action. You know, you asked, you asked me a question like, how can we not, you know, how can we show up more with more of our own weird and how can we allow others? And, you know, I'm not saying that it's the perfect solution, but it's an easy way to, to think about it and to ask, ask ourselves and be reflective of how are we, how are we allowing that acronym to play out in our lives with ourselves and, and with others? So the answer is weird. The answer is always yeah. weird. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, welcome. That first step and age. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's, it's like I, I, when I first started with the podcast, even now a little bit, like I, I, I always find myself judging. It's like, oh man, I could have asked this question a little better. I could have communicated a little better. Cause like for me, this is fairly new communicating out with others and trying to ask yeah. questions and whatnot. I'm like, huh, wow. But first you have to sort of welcome it and follow the whole weird and like you said, dynamic, like accept that it's always going to be forever changing because we're, yeah. we're humans, you know, we're, we're always changing ourselves as well, our thoughts, our ideas. Yeah. And why do you think so many people think that like, it has to be like, like one way or that's it? Like, like, I think there's so much resistance when it comes to being dynamic, sort of flexible instead of embracing that, hey, we are human. We, like th think of the Shelly from five years ago, right? It's not the oh, same gosh. person. You are, yeah. you are today and perhaps in a week from now, you're not going to be the same Shelly, right? Because there's going to be all these other new ideas. Why is there so much, why do you think there's so much resistance with all this change? And as you say, dynamicness. That's a great question. And, and I will say, Ryan, you, you probably can look at yourself and when you first started doing your podcast and see, you mm. know, how, how yes. different and it's, it's <laughs> one word it's, I call it bullshit. Bullshit to me is the space between where you are and where you think you should be or where others tell you you should be. I should be better. I should have asked this question. I, I shouldn't have said that. It's, it's the bullshit, right? Mm -hmm. So I call it, I call it should shaming. We end up shaming ourselves with the bullshit because we think we're supposed to be somewhere where we're not or we should have done something that we already did. And so again, it comes back to allowing right where we are to be where we are. I mean, when you get tired of suffering from all that should crap and it gets to be enough, it's a lot of times it's the pain of that shooting that finally says, you know what? I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to continually stab myself with daggers for having done something that's already done and I have no control over it now or wishing I could be some way that I'm not I'm just not there yet and when we can let go of that man that totally releases a lot of the suffering that we throw on ourselves yeah now I did kind of want to ask you on a quote uh it's a bit of a weird quote but it's by one of my favorite authors uh Jordan Peterson uh, okay. And he, he, his quote is pretty much just, life is suffering. And I know we're talking a bit about suffering. And I'm like, at first glance, I could see how people be like, oh, you know, that, like, that's like terrible. But it's like, if you listen, he goes on, it's like, oh, like life is suffering. Like if we just acknowledge for a second, let's just say you and I, we accept that life is suffering. 
we can then agree, well, we can try and make the suffering, if you will, better by better putting ourselves together, by being grateful for, as you mentioned, like the beautiful little moments in life, our connection that we're sharing here, the, the sun rises in the morning, it, it puts a, a different sort of perspective on our lives of like, hey, we're suffering, but we're suffering together. Let's try our best to be our best selves, to be our best weird, and just help everyone else on the planet sort of suffer less, if you will. <laughs> what, well, that, what, are, what are your thoughts on that quote? So uh, the whole practice of mindfulness is really all about reducing suffering, reducing our own suffering and reducing the suffering of others. It's all about the reduction of suffering. And I agree with the quote because our minds, you know, our minds are always going to make meaning out of things. You know, if you've ever read Michael Singer, you know, if you've ever read Michael Singer, um, The Untethered Soul, or you ever read anything about mindfulness, which you probably have, it's our human nature to think. We think, we attach meaning to, to everything. everything. And so we're always going to have suffering because we're always going to attach meaning to things. It's really hard, you know, the practice yeah. is the practice is to notice when we're doing it so that we can suffer less. Yeah. And I, I love sort of that approach, like you said earlier, like the neutrality of things like that should be joyful as well. And because, again, I think we just take a lot of little things for granted. Like it's a miracle. We have these nice, wonderful houses. I mean, if you think back, I don't know, a couple hundred years ago, I don't know how long ago, but it's like we had all these other issues that to us seem like, wait, those are things people were dying from. Like that seems yeah. so silly now, you know, it's like, hmm. Well, I, you know, I can't say that it, that I am like the best at practicing gratitude all the time. Mm -hmm. But what we're with mindfulness, what we're doing is there's three ways we suffer. We're in the future and we have no control over the future. So we're worrying about the future. We're trying to control things that haven't yet happened. Mm -hmm. Or we're in the past, regret, remorse, guilt, wishing things were the way they once were. I mean, think about it during the pandemic. How often, how much time did we spend wishing things weren't were the way they were? Or we're arguing with reality. This can't be happening. How could this be like this? How could she have said no? You know, like whatever it is. So it's past and future and arguing with reality. And those are the three ways that we're really, that we invite our own suffering. Oh, so gratitude is a great, is a great practice, mm -hmm. but if you can't be grateful, neutrality and being in the here and now, whether it's good, bad, sucks horribly, it's being in right now because everything is impermanent and it will pass. And that is one of the hugest lessons in life, choosing taking, you know, knowing that you're in choice about what you make it mean about how much suffering you add on to suffering. That's it. That's yeah. all about choice. That's true. It's on us to sort of think about like what, what do we want to allow sort of in there, you know? Yeah. 
So you, you mentioned books and I'm curious, like, so what are some books that you recommend uh, that have perhaps has had a deep impact on you personally? Oh gosh, it's so funny because I'm, I'm reading a lot of uh, fellow authors books right now, like the Red Thread and Swagger and, you know, Brand's book and everybody that we all know. But I love, um, there's a book called The Mindful Leader by Michael Bunting, who is amazing. He's an Australian uh, mindful leadership um, that's, that's his business is helping leaders become more mindful and self-aware. And his book to me is like the Bible. I love it so much. Um, I love Untethered Soul by Michael Singer. I love, I'm a huge, since my book is kind of quirky and funny, Mm -hmm. I absolutely like love David Sedaris, like crazy. He's one of my favorite authors. Um, I love Glennon Doyle. Um, Untamed. And um, I love Sharon Salzberg. She's a mindfulness practitioner who's who's an amazing person. Yeah. And I also wanted to kind of touch on, you know, you have your 25 years of sort of like corporate and and experience and whatnot. What's been like a big key lesson for you within sort of more that corporate leadership world of things that you would want to perhaps pass on to someone else? Uh, the, what I really want to pass on the, there's a couple things. One is mindfulness and, and practices like that should not be relegated into, I use the word should, if mindfulness is something that is for everybody, it's not just for the talent, mm-hmm. okay. you know, and, and changing that mindset around, okay, this is for them and not for us because self-awareness and how we show up together is the most important, whether we're virtual or together. Mm -hmm. And then the other thing is um, really having the awareness that individuality is our biggest connection to one another and not something that separates us. Because I think in the corporate world, as much as, as, as I know, it's always been like, what are our, what are our commonalities? Mm-hmm. But it's actually our differences that can be the most important okay. connection. I see. Okay, nice. And uh, so I'm just curious, what do you uh, just, if there's anything recently that you're currently learning now or perhaps in like the past week or so? What am I currently learning now and in, in, in or in the there past today, week? maybe past couple of weeks, something. Uh, what have I learned? I've learned that it's really, really important to get clear on who you want to serve, hmm. who you want to focus your messaging on, because even if it's this this narrow, Mm -hmm. it's going to grow and expand from there. But if you can get clarity on who you want to serve, then you can be more concise and more clear about what you can bring to them. Yeah, like the value, I see. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. What about you? Uh, (laughs) What is something I've recently learned? Let me think, let me think, let me think. Oh, okay. Well, recently reading from uh, The Power of Giving Away Power, uh, instead of focusing on like the hierarchy of the pyramid within 
organizations focus more on the, as we said, connection, the connectivity and focus, he mentions a new shape, Matthew Barzen, uh, constellations. And it's like, as kind of you said too, like the uniqueness, the individuality of each person, if you add it up with each other, it can create this new sort of power and these new ideas. And if each person were to come up with an idea sort of thing. I that I love really that. And I cool saw your concept. post. I saw your post on Instagram, and, and that's very cool. I, I thought it was a really cool idea. I'd never heard of the constellation shape before, so that one's really been sticking with me. Uh, awesome. So, well, I do want to ask: Is there any way I can go ahead and bring value to you? Well, thank you. Um, really, with the book coming out, I'm excited about that. Uh, I also, my deepest desire. I, I was a fitness instructor for 20 years and I was also, you know, on in person to person speaking. And my desire is more virtual speaking opportunities and more in-person speaking opportunities. And that is what lights me up. Nice. All right. <laughs> and um, so where can people reach out to you if they either want to reach out to you, get your book or check more about you? Yeah, thank you. So uh, Instagram at Weird Girl Adventures, LinkedIn, Shelly Brown. My website is weirdgirladventures.com. The book is available on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, Target, Walmart, through my website, Weird Girl Adventures from A to Z. It's not a label, it's a lifestyle, and it's not just for weird girls. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, thank you for being here. I appreciate your time and energy just being here together connecting as you said um thank you thank you ryan it was really great i enjoyed it thank you so much for listening if you enjoyed today's episode please 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 leave a review and let us know what you learned what you loved wishing you great success continue developing the mind one experience at a time